Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, welcome back. We're here again with another episode of The Trash Sheet. I'm Elliot Greenman. Joining me as always is Keith Vance. Hey, it's me. Um, so today we got a, we got a show. It's a hell of a show. It really is. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is, well, a big thing about the show, one of our main focuses, if not our main focus, is giving uh, movies that maybe aren't the most popular a second look or a second chance, or, you know, just, I don't know, you explain it better than I do. There are no garbage opinions, only garbage people. Exactly. Oh, wait, that's not it. Yeah, it's close enough. There are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. That's right. And uh, we have plenty, and we're going to share some with you today. So yep. what we're talking about today is uh, we're going to look at some popular movie franchises. You know, movies where, like, kind of there's one movie or two movies in the franchise that everyone kind of holds up at the top, and some other ones that are kind of widely regarded as not being so great. But maybe we have some different opinions of where those movies should play out. Yeah, it's almost like in the realm of like movie thought, there's these sort of irrefutable um, opinions and thoughts that kind of everyone universally agrees on. But I think as not only we change as viewers, but as time goes on, I think those opinions will also change. Like you'll see a shift in thought. Oh, 100%. Maybe not for everything, but certainly... Yeah. Well, I mean, like, if you... It's... If, uh, you know, I was just reading something the other day, like, now, you know, today it's kind of why, uh, regarded that Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie. Yes. Everyone says that. But when it came out, it was met with a lot of the same criticisms that the current Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, was met with. I can see that. A lot of people did not like uh, or were disappointed with it or angry about some of the choices that were made. Well, yeah, going from the original Star Wars, which was super squeaky clean and golly gee whiz, yeah. we ch- sure are going to save the day, to Empire Strikes Back, which philo- philosophically is like a more complex movie. and Much darker. Yeah, like, lots you know. of twists and turns and really takes all the characters on a ride. Right. So now in retrospect, in the context of the entire trilogy and years passing, every nerd is probably like, this is the best one. You know, like... Uh, well, yeah, like when I was a kid, I thought that Return of the Jedi was the best one because Luke was in full Jedi mode with, oh, yeah. with a cloak and a green lightsaber. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I got older and I realized that pretty much sucked yeah I, I thought that was the best one because there was speeder bikes and a giant monster in a pit and then a yeah. second monster that just was the pit but you it know? is it is not a good movie it's not as good as empire strikes back is that's for sure yeah so but we're not here today to talk about star wars hell nah we're here to talk about some better franchises <laughs> <laughs> um so batman begins came out everyone liked it then the dark knight came out and everyone lost their fucking Right, Oscar worthy. They were like, yeah, they're like, this is the best superhero movie ever made. Uh, Blah blah, you know, all all these things that were like really pushed the envelope. And for me personally, I watched it, and while I enjoyed the movie just fine, I instantly thought this is not as good as Batman Begins. The the like the movie inside of the Dark Knight, like that you could sort of cut out, like if you were a surgeon and you could cut out a movie from that Mm -hmm. movie. I think that's the better movie. I would agree. I mean, there's there's too much stuff in it. Uh, there's things in it that just, for me, so just don't stuff. work. And 
And then after that movie came out, uh, The Dark Knight Rises came out as the final movie. Yeah. And the reaction it kind of got was that it wasn't bad, but it was the worst one in the series. And I personally thought it was the best in the theory, in the series. That's pretty interesting. And I will explain why. Yeah, you're going to have to really defend that position because... So I'll start with my, I guess, I don't want to say disappointment in uh, The Dark Knight, because I do think it's a good movie, but just why, when I watched it, I was like, this movie's not perfect, it's flawed. Of course it's flawed. Well, they're all flawed. All three of them are flawed. No movie is perfect, I'd argue. Uh, there's a movie called Throw Mama aside, from aside the Train. From, aside from Dark Man. Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> Throw Dark Man from the Train. I would also watch that movie. Starring Liam Neeson as Mama. <laughs> So when the first when the when the Batman uh, the Dark Knight came out, um, I think when Batman Begins came out, it was kind of a game changer in terms of superhero movies. The same way the w- first was it a game changer for you? Were you like, wow, I haven't seen a superhero movie this good since? I just don't necessarily think you saw Meteor Man. A, well, it definitely wasn't as good as Meteor Man. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think you'd seen a a, a superhero movie. That was quite like it before. Now that now it's kind of the model for comic book movies, you know. But I think it was the same thing kind of happened when the Tim Burton Batman movie came out. Even to a greater extent, you'd never. It's easy to look back at that movie now and kind of see it that it's a little dated or take it for granted. But when the first Batman Tim Burton Batman movie came out, there'd never been a movie like that. I mean, just into the even terms of costuming, that's now the model for making superhero costumes. Yeah, there was no really no precedent for superhero movies not, based on that like not, even dick tracy hadn't come out no dick tracy was a direct reaction to batman batman was a hit yeah. then they made dick tracy you know there had been a handful of superhero movies before in the tv series like the hulk incredible hulk tv series right and stuff but nobody like that. was taking anything seriously and when that movie came out it literally just changed the way superhero movies were going to be made from that point on and i feel the same thing happened with batman begins it changed the way superhero movies were we're going to be made from that point on. Um, Dark Knight comes out and immediately sucks because Danny DeVito's not in it. Well, that was strike one. Uh, it left me a little cold. You know, I was like, uh, everyone makes a big deal of Heath Ledger and he's great. He is he's great. awesome. He's awesome as the Joker. No one's denying that. But I think that's where most, I think he's so great at, at in that role that it kind of, Oh, it exposes everything else. It exposes everything else, but also, like, I think it carries up the rest of the movie to, to a certain extent. If if you would cast someone Oh, so else, they're leaning on him. Yes. I mean, the movie, like, one, the movie is pretty disjointed. The whole Two-Face story arc is completely rushed. Yeah. It, that should be its own movie, but then he goes from being, like, the greatest guy in the world to, like, going to kill children... In a span yeah, of all like, because he got blown up. Come yeah, on. in a span of in a very short span of time. That like that should have if they wanted to do that story, they should have laid the seeds in this one, and then that should have been the sequel. Yeah, you I know, mean, are we to understand that getting blown up once is enough to turn you into a violent criminal? I've been blown honestly? up like three or four times today. Yeah, and I haven't killed any children or attempted to kill any children yet but i mean at the end of the movie he's going to kill commission he's not just going after like the people who have wronged him he's he's taking revenge on their children and fan and families yeah it's just it's too quick of a churn yeah uh, he was an emotionally strong guy like emotionally intelligent and And stable and they're like oh he has a dark side and all this stuff but the flip is just like 
it's too extreme and it's too it's too instant you know he doesn't he doesn't build up to that point he just goes from being kind of kind of having a little dark streak to him to like fuck it yeah like that uh a lot of people one of the criticisms of the dark knight rises was the plot holes which i don't think there's nearly as many plot holes in that movie as there are in this one it's just that there's in the dark knight itself the joker one i think there's just so much things going on in these movies and the way the movie is paced you kind of miss a lot of the plot holes on first viewing. i also think some of the plot holes that people talk about in the dark knight rises aren't even actual plot holes i don't even believe in plot holes honestly well i mean there are i mean like the, like for example like one thing that's really bothered I mean, you could argue that an entire movie is a plot hole like, yes like yeah most, that's true. most movie premises like are inherently implausible oh yeah and i don't and i'm not even saying like there's plenty of plot holes that i'm willing to overlook and ignore sometimes they just really bother me sure and one thing that really bothers what about me, the movie holes which is literally about plot holes and their physical manifestation. Yeah. That's, I don't like that movie at all. I hate that movie. <laughs> but there's a, there's a scene in, in The Dark Knight where there's all these like three events going on. And they're all happening simultaneously and they're being edited together. And somehow, out of the blue, Bruce Wayne is just aware that it's happening. Even though they're happening in a different location. Yeah. And the only people who would be experiencing are the people in those things. So he goes, it's a scene where like the Jokers has a plan where he's going to go kidnap Harvey at this party or something. And there's cutting between these scenes of him, like the Joker, like killing a judge and poisoning the police commissioner. And then at one point, Bruce Wayne just walks into the room before the Joker gets there and said, and starts choking out Harvey Dent to put it and puts him in a headlock, mm-hmm. not, not going conscious. And his girlfriend, Rachel's like, what are you doing? He goes like, they're coming for Harvey. But doesn't he have those like that, uh, satellite setup where every cell phone that's later in the movie oh it's later on yeah that's exactly right. it like, but it's, it's all happening so quick and the way it's edited like I'm on the first view and you're just like oh yeah totally it's, it's, this is all going on mm-hmm. and there's so many different things going on in the, in the movie that you kind of just gloss over this and then you, if you watch the movie again and pay attention for it it's so glaring and jarring and, and it's, 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 it's a to me it's a plot hole that takes me out of the movie. That's you upsetting. Know, you know, it's like, like you said, all these movie, movies themselves can be considered plot holes, but the pro- the idea is, is movies aren't realistic. They're just supposed to make you think that they're real while you're watching. Right, you're supposed you to... Know? This makes me so... Suspend o- disbelief. This makes me so... This makes me so aware that I'm watching a movie. It's kind of condescending. It, it, 100%. It says, hey, viewer, you're too stupid to notice this one. Yeah. Or we were just too lazy to... There's so much it happening, away. it doesn't even matter, dummy. Mm-hmm. I also in the Dark Knight, uh, I do not buy the ending at all. Where where Batman's like blame me for the murders. Uh, I like the idea of him being of him being blamed for the murders and him having to go into on the run or go into hiding, but where he volunteers himself, he goes like, "Don't tell anybody that Harvey Dent killed all these people." Tell them I did it to Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, it goes totally against his speech about uh, um, what is it? It's not who you are; it's what you do that defines you, right. or whatever about that is. Yes, yeah. yes. And it's it's just it's out of character. 
for I think Batman in general, and obviously like I'm totally okay with an artist having their own personal interpretation, but not only is it out of character for just the character, I feel the character of Batman as a whole, how he well, exists. Well, so just what they set up in that in their own universe. In their, in their own in their own they broke tr- their own rule. Broke their own rules. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. Another thing that doesn't work that's just put in there so cheaply is I think when Commissioner Gordon fakes his death because he's like, oh, I faked his death to protect his family from the Joker. Oh, yeah, that was cool. But he doesn't tell his wife. He's like, hey, I'm not really dead. I'm just pretending to be dead. It's 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 one of those things that's just thrown in there as a plot device and to manipulate your emotions. And it's kind of lazy story. It's almost a blink and you'll miss it moment, too. Yeah. Like you talked about the plot moving so quickly. Yeah. That was one of those things that just sort of it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, if you compare it to, say, uh, what is it, Lethal Weapon 2? Where uh, Riggs fakes his death? Yeah. He gets shot on the corner, and then they just, uh, you know, they feed it to the public that mm-hmm. Riggs is dead in order to give the police an advantage mm-hmm. over the, um, is it the South Africans? I can't remember, honestly. I can't. I haven't seen any but the first one in a really oh, long man, time. Oh, man, Lethal Weapon 2 is sick. Anyways, um, I mean, I have. Yeah, seen so it. they 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 essentially fake Riggs' death in order to gain the upper hand, and um, uh, it's not something that they dwell on, mm-hmm. but it has enough of a striking scene and uh, and usefulness that you know it's memorable mm-hmm. versus the Dark Knight, where it's like they move through it so quickly. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just a che- it's a cheap plot device that I just can't get on board yeah. with. Um, now in contrast to that, the Dark Knight Rises, which gets a lot of flack, I think, why? well, people don't like it. They think it's loaded with plot holes. It's loaded with potholes. There are, there are actually several pothole potholes in this film. You watch many cars, right? That's factual. There are many, many potholes in this film. The Dark Knight Rises, I feel, uh, is one, a satisfying storyline and also you better believe it is watching batman get his back broken it's great well that's one of the things i think that is so great about this is everyone makes great this huge deal out of the joker and once again heath ledger is fantastic i think that tom hardy's bane is the best villain in 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 the series for multiple reasons wow i think he's fantastic in it Uh, i know people talk about his voice and stuff i'm not really going to get into his voice or any of that or the changes from the comic or I mean the voice is kind of funny but as far as like being physically imposing and uh intimidating right. and having a presence it's all there. Well what's great about uh the character of Bane as opposed to some of the other villains is Bane is the only villain in the Batman universe who's as smart as Batman if not smarter. Oh definitely. And physically more powerful than yeah. him. Every other one is like okay Joker Joker is a huge adversary to Batman because he's wild and unpredictable and Batman yeah. can't understand the way he thinks even though they're opposite sides of the same coin and blah blah they're not that But good, physically you know? he doesn't really match up. Zero, zero zero physical zero threat. Yeah. You know, it's all there's other villains, yeah, all these villains are either one or the other. They're they're really strong but they're stupid so Batman can, you know, outsmart them. That's how in the comic books Batman's always winning fights with Superman because he can outsmart Superman. Right. You know, more um, like super dummy. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Bane is the only character who's stronger and smarter 
than Batman, or at least as smart as Batman. And one of the changes that they do make from the comic book to the movie that I really think makes his character even better is in the comic book, uh, Bane famously is addicted to this drug called Venom, which is essentially like a super steroid. Yep. And he has like these implant, like he has like Kevlar implants under his muscles. So he's essentially, uh, he's double tough. He's double tougher than a two dollar steak. He's uh he's tough, but he's but it's artificially so. In this one, he's his physical strength is all real. You know, it's not he. There's no fake advantage to him. It's like so it makes him he the same way Batman is trained to be. A great fighter. Bane yes. is trained to be a better fighter, and in fact, in this one, another stroke of genius is in the in the comic book. He wears the mask because that's where he's receiving the juice to make him super strong. Is through this mask that little, with all the tubes and shit in it. In this one, that's his that's his main source of weakness. That's it's the reverse. You know, he's wearing the mask to keep himself. Uh, being able to breathe and alive, you know, right. he has some sort of medical problem. Asthma. Right. Uh, he has severe asthma. Yeah. Uh, and it's a source of weakness. So that's his, that's his weakness, you know, not, his, not the source of his strength, of his strength. So in that respect, he becomes the best villain for Batman because he's the true match, you right. know? And that's why Batman is left so physically and emotionally broken after being defeated by him because he's got a lot going on too you know i mean like yeah he does how he's a busy guy yeah you know there's so much going on he's tired you know when you get older you just get tired you get tired uh so he really it it really works in that in that sense you know Uh, whereas in well the joker is you know this huge menace to Batman. Batman ultimately knows that if he just pushes the boundaries, he can defeat the Joker. You there's know? an ethereal quality to the Joker also. Mm-hmm. Like there's no origin. There's no background. Right. You don't know a lot of information. Which about is some him. of the strength, some just, of the strength you have his, his he's, character. Yeah. He's very enigmatic. He just comes in and doesn't have any visible weaknesses. He's strong willed and confident yeah. and smart he's and a, resourceful. I'm not. I'm not criticizing him as a character. I'm not criticizing him as at all. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about as a direct adversary to Batman. The only like physical, like the only true match for well, him. Well, but is the, Bane. yeah, that's what I'm driving at. Is that Bane is set up from his origin to be that much better than Batman in every aspect? Exactly. Yes. Like that's his his very nature. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why he's such a fantastic. Versus the Joker, there's no sort of justification for how he got the way he is or where he's acquired his skills Mm -hmm. or there's nothing. He's just sort of materialized out of thin air. Mm -hmm. There's Bane who has grown to become this monster. And he's he's, he's not any, and he's, while he's this physical and mental monster, he's also a lot more layered and interesting. I, I personally feel, Mm -hmm. uh, that being said is one of the weaknesses of the movie is when you find out the twist that, uh, that one, Batman is his son. Batman is his son, and he loves him and just wants him to be happy and grow yes. up to be a, like a, a strong Batman. No, when you find out the twist that like Talia is the Talia Al Ghul twist, yes. you know, which is a fine twist, except that that at that point you've now they just completely disregard Bane. Like he stops being important. 
Right. He becomes just you know? a hired goon. And even though he's not, he's exactly like it should have been. The, it, it's like, well, that's a fine twist. And like they, their then their journey should have happened publicly together as villains. You know, yeah. it shouldn't just be, they you know? spent all this time building him up and setting him up as this massive threat. And they're like, uh, no, no, actually yeah. it was this person. And, and you're on you and he's just not important. And he gets knocked off in the most yeah. lamest, yeah. you know, easy way. Yeah. So they definitely dismiss him. And it's unfortunate because they really achieved something. Yeah. And then and then just immediately devalued yeah. what they had built. So, yeah. So, I do think that is a... I think that's the, personally the biggest flaw in that movie is just that disregard. I know one of the big criticisms of... I mean, this, one of the, what's crazy to me is like one of the things I always hear people talking about, like why this one isn't very good, is just this criticism that how did Batman get from that prison hole, you know, that hole that he gets thrown into the prison, in the yeah. prison in the ground. How do you get back to, uh, uh, Gotham city? Uh, who cares? Who cares? He's fucking Batman. They're like, well, he didn't have any money at that point. You know, it's like he, I'm sure fucking Bruce Wayne has offshore accounts. I'm sure he's, there's, he's Batman. There's, he can figure out how to get from a desert to Gotham City. In a week. That's the easiest thing. Yeah. He had a broken back. Yeah. And he cured it by hanging from a rope. Well, and that's a, that's a great, that's that's actually really great because, you know, he's physically broken, he's emotionally broken, and one of the key elements of Batman and one of the key elements, I think, of this, of the Christopher Nolan trilogy is like this triumph of will and stuff and overcoming Right, You're, you know these things, and the speech that the inmate gives Bruce Wayne about like why he's unable to get out of the, the hole because they're jumping for that ledge, right? Yeah. And he's like, it's because you keep or you keep jumping with a safety rope on, right? And it's like if you don't have the fear of death, if you don't have the fear of falling, what what's the motivation right. to push you that further? And that's what all Batman is. Is Batman is was facing his fears, facing his trauma from his childhood. And using that fear and that using that trauma to push yeah. himself forward. So it's it's in terms of a narrative and in terms of a character, this is the story that in the trilogy that understands Batman the best within the overall story of Batman from the comic mm. books and everything, but also from the story that they set out. I feel the Dark Knight with uh, the the middle one with the Joker is the one that understands the character the least. Do you think that? That's because he was still in the middle of his journey. I yes. Do you, do you think that in the third one he's self actualizing? I do think that there are parts in the third that from the second one that, in retrospect of the entire trilogy, make a little bit more sense. Well, I mean, even as I say that, I now that I'm thinking back, I would also argue that. In the Dark Knight, Batman is physically and mentally in his prime as yeah. Batman. Yeah. So maybe that's not necessarily. But I still can't get over. There's still certain. I can't, there's still certain things I can't get over in the Dark Knight, and that is the 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 overall rushing of the Two Face storyline. It's completely botched. Yeah. And also not just the how it unfolds, but also like Christopher Nolan's whole thing was just like. I'm going to make set Batman in the real world and I'm going to make this, I'm going to explain everything away and make everything yeah, like plausible. grounded in reality. And then you get to uh, the two face and literally his entire head is gone 
and he has an eyeball that just seems to be exposed. It's exposing and just seems to be floating in a socket that has no flesh around it. Yeah, and he still moves around and looks around at things. It's he has possibly the most severe burns that a human body could experience, and at no point is he like better keep supplying myself with morphine so I don't pass out. But like at no point does he just die. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, and it that's another thing that removes me from because I don't care about how realistic a movie is, but a movie has to follow its own rules, as we, yes. we stated earlier. And that breaks its own rules so drastically yeah. that it's like, if that was in a Friday the 13th movie or a you know Nightmare on Elm Street movie, awesome. He looks exactly like Jason from Part 7. Yeah! So it re- that those things, really, those things really hinder the second installment for me. So that's why I would say Dark Knight Rises is the best. Dark Knight while still a good movie, is actually the weakest. Holy shit. What do you think about the uh, JGL, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, subplot from The Dark Knight Rises as the um, uh, sort of, um, not disgruntled cop, but uh, sort of a, a cop losing his faith in the justice system and becoming overwhelmed with the scale of crime in his I, city and feeling helpless. I like I like his character, and I know that's he. he the, one of the things I know the movie does get a lot of criticism for is like how he just instinctively knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman because one time he saw him as an orphan and like he looked sad, and that was the only way that uh, you could be Batman is if you were that sad. Well, when you make a sad face and. Your your frown makes mm-hmm. the shape of a bat on your face. Yeah. I think that's the that is away. that does give it away. That's yeah. true, and I do agree that that concept is pretty ridiculous and doesn't really work on paper. I think George Joseph Gordon uh, Levitt's performance in that scene kind of sells it, regardless of the fact of it being so ridiculous. But at the same time, there's like there's so many other ways that he could have felt this deep connection to Batman and Bruce Wayne and yeah. also figured it out. I mean, I instantly thought of like they wanted this thing or like this thing of like, oh, I met him when I was a little kid and like always carried him with me. Remember that fucking little kid from the first one that he gives the binoculars to? Oh, yeah. Uh, That could have been Joseph Gordon-Levitt. When he grows up and becomes a detective, he could have used his detective skills to figure out that those were Wayne Tech Corporation binoculars. Yeah, he just looks at the logo. Yeah, right. Exactly. Then he scratched off with like a quarter or something, you know, there's a million ways he could have explained that, but. I do like his character within the context of the movie. How do you feel about his name being Robin, but him becoming Batman? It's, I think it's just a cute little nod. I don't think it's... I don't think that's a nod. I think that's a big, big F.U. It's a middle finger to comic book nerds. Yeah. Who think it has to be one way. That's true. You had, everything's gotta be exactly like the comic. Guess what? It doesn't. Yeah. Hello. Hey, welcome Francis to the show. Francis, Hi, Francis. What's, what's We're your... talking The Dark Knight Rises right here on the trash heap. What's your favorite uh, Batman movie? Mm. <laughs> Is it Batman v Superman? Uh, Dawn of Justice? Probably Children of the Corn. <laughs> that is a really good one. We just gotta wrap this episode up, and then we can get some food. Yeah. Well, let's move along, Keith, to uh, 
What what franchise were you thinking about? Man, I'm going to talk about the Terminator real quick because that is the incredibly beloved uh, action sci-fi franchise. And those are movies that I grew up watching. I remember as a little tyke watching the Terminator and being absolutely terrified and memorizing uh, Kyle Reese's speech to... Uh, Sarah Connor. Would you still have it memorized? Uh, no, but it's the one um, when they're uh, in the car and she bites his hand and he's like, Terminators don't feel pain. I do. Mm-hmm. Listen and understand that Terminator is out there and he doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and he absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. That's Pretty that's stuff. the truncated version. That's but pretty yeah, that's, much it. That's the gist of it. But yeah, I love that speech. But that series would go on to um, great new heights with the sequel, Terminator 2, mm-hmm. of which, uh, uh, I mean, that sequel is held in high regard as possibly the greatest sequel to a movie of all time. Yeah, cool. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in the last couple of years, a new sequel came out. Um, entitled Terminator Genesis. I saw Terminator Genesis. And this is a movie that not only went on to uh, underperform at the box office, it was subject to a lot of critical derision. It got a lot of hate. Yeah, but I think it's largely undeserving, and I think it's probably one of the most exciting and interesting sequels. Do you think it's better than Terminator 2? Um... On par with Terminator 2? Well, here's the thing. It is Terminator 2. I would argue that these are the same movie, only taking different branching paths. This is getting interesting. Because you see, Terminator Genesis features just an alternate timeline. Time travelers keep going back in the time stream and altering um, the timeline, creating new splinter versions of the t-1000 of sarah connor of john connor of kyle reese like the concept of like that every time they go back and change things they just kind of ensure ensure that the same things will happen just in different ways yeah they're creating all the all these alternate pathways to the end result which is skynet always wins baby well that's yeah i I think that's always been i mean that's that's kind of not kind of that's laid out in the blueprint of the first two that everything revolves around people going back in time or terminators going back in time to ensure that the future happens so it's Kyle Reese and the terminator coming back to the, the to the 80s in the first one so he can knock up Sarah Connor yes so that uh so John Connor's born and so that terminator can be destroyed leaving the technology for uh uh what is uh What's the company that they work for? Cyberdyne. Cyberdyne can find that technology and create Skynet, you know? Yeah. It's it's almost everything was um, predetermined and it was always going to happen. It's just going to occur right. in slightly different ways. So every time they stop it, every time they do something to stop it, they just ensure that it happens. Yeah. You know? I thought of, that was... these, the seeds for these ideas was definitely planted in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, yeah. which a movie... It's not great. It's not very good, but I do like but the concept. But the ending uh, is a lot of fun. It is. Where the Terminator reveals to John Connor that Judgment Day was always going to happen. There was there would be no stopping it. Mm-hmm. All he can do is make sure that John stays alive. Yes. I, I, I 100% agree. Like, I, 
Terminator 3 was not a very good movie. That concept that it introduced, like solidified, was great. Yeah, and one thing I really enjoyed about um, Terminator Genesis was this idea that uh, John Connor eventually sees the futility in his effort fighting for humanity, fighting this war that he cannot possibly win. Mm -hmm. But instead of giving up, instead of laying down arms and letting one side win, he creates a new side and a new perspective. Man married with machine Mm -hmm. to create a new organism and a new future based on cooperation. The ultimate is it, is piece, it actual cooperation though? Cooperation. One one does not exist without the other. The man exists, the machine exists. Biologically equal parts. Yeah, but it still seems like the machine was running the show. Nah. Hmm. What well, I mean, what are the goals of the new um Sky Connor? Connornet? What do we call Con- Connor, this, like, this new organism? I like Connornet. Connornet? Yeah. Uh, his goals are actually, I think, just ultimately, I think it's more like the, I t- the way I took it was it's more like when the robots, remember the robot forces John Connor to merge with it. And then afterwards, that's when he's on board. So it's more like the robot is faking this cooperation. It's like, hey, we're going to cooperate. But really, I'm just telling you, like, I'm just I've taken over and I'm creating this illusion that me and John Connor are one. It's really, you know what I mean? Connor net. Uh, I do, I do think I don't. I would not put uh, Terminator Genesis on par with the first two Terminator movies, but I do think it was quite underrated. I enjoyed it. I I liked a lot of the uh, concepts that it employed and the, the way the general plot played out. Uh, look at you. Got to look at Terminator Genesis as uh, Terminator Two remixed. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, the setup is interesting. Imagine that that. I mean, you don't even have to imagine it. It's right in the movie. Mm-hmm. Skynet never launches. Right. It's it's peace. It's tranquility. Life goes on. Humanity goes on. Um, and the whole world is on board with this Genesis software that's going to solve all our problems and keep humanity, you know, existing mm-hmm. in this sort of almost utopian society. Well, yeah. I don't know if I buy that, but... Sure, I buy it. I'll, for sake of argument, I'll buy but it. But you get these exciting remixes of all the characters, right? right? You get a new Kyle Reese with mm-hmm. a different haircut. That's yeah. always fun. You get the T3000 prototype, mm-hmm. which is the T1000, you know, with a, a, a new skill set. And then you've got, um, is that J.K. Simmons? Yes. Who's at the, the police office? Yes. You've got him investigating time travelers and Judgment yeah. Day and sort of, he's your your skeptical movie fan. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, wait a second. What's going on here? I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Well, he's the opposite of skeptical because he's like, he's like, I know that there's, there's time travelers and no one will believe me. He's more like the, the conspiracy yeah, theory on, nut. He's along you know? for the ride and, and so are we. So I think it's important for us as fans to stop looking at... Um, these quote-unquote original movies as the holy grail mm-hmm. and start opening our minds to these new concepts well yeah what? and exciting ideas because ultimately fan this idea of fandom 
is that you're always chasing that original feeling mm-hmm. of excitement and stimulation mm-hmm. like a drug addict when you first saw these movies. Right. It, you're never going to feel the same way you, you felt. Yeah, you're you. never going to experience that again. So you have to stop squeezing these things as tightly as you can uh, and, yeah. with the same expectations 100%. because eventually they'll just die. Yeah. So you have to loosen your grip and open your hands to receive new ideas. I agree with you. And that new idea is Terminator Genesis. Mm, beautiful. That bravo, sir. I think you've made the most the singular best argument for Terminator Genesis that has been made. Like in, I said in this timeline. Like I said, there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. That's right. And I one thing I really like about the movie I might be backtracking a little bit here, but when we're, I like how in the movie that like, by this time, because there's been so many Terminator movies, uh, that everyone's just time traveling and time traveling and time traveling, and they use that to their advantage, you know, in the, yes. in, the, in the concept. Like the movie starts out like Sarah Connor and this other Terminator are waiting for events that they know will happen. Yeah, they're just hanging out. They're in a scene of the original Terminator, right? Waiting for that to happen. And still, it's like these. you have all these characters that are running around, acting like they're important, trying to change stuff to the point where it's just like layer upon layer of like there's there's multiple of the same. Yeah, these other characters just show up from the side and kick them out of the frame. Right. And there's like there's like this ter- this Terminator is, is fighting himself from this timeline. And then he's also fighting him. There's like three, four, five different of the same variation, yeah. the same from, from different timelines fighting each other. And all this stuff is going on and the universe and doesn't give a shit because the same events keep happening and happening and happening and happening you know that everything like everything like back to the original concept everything you do to change the future just ensures that the future happens yeah and i mean the this idea that time is a circle and you're just everyone's just going in circles mm-hmm. um is just put on display yeah. right there. I mean, in that in those concepts, it is so Terminator Genesis is so much in tune with the first two Terminators. Yes. And when you and when you say it is Terminator Two, you're absolutely right. It's just another layer happening within that same universe. I would also argue that it makes an even better companion piece than Terminator Two. Try watching the original Terminator without it, the Terminator two, two yeah, back uh, to back to back with Genesis and see what happens. Okay, as if it never had existed. Yeah, see if that changes your mind and your perspective. That's just a, try and try a thought. That's actually experiment. a really fun idea. Try do do it with some acid. Do it without acid. Have fifteen cups of coffee. Have no coffee. Take an Ambien. Open your mind. Open your consciousness to new ideas. Genesis is the future. You can't fight it. Well. That you heard it right here, folks. You can't fight Genesis. You can't fight the future. You're just gonna have to like the movie now. Obey Skynet. What? Hmm? What was that? Now a word from our sponsor, Skynet. <laughs> this episode of the Trash Heap is brought to you by Cyberdyne Systems. Cyberdyne well, building better worlds. Do you think that we adequately uh, 
made our opinions sound important? Not even remotely. This Not sounds even, like the ramblings of Batman. <laughs> of two lunatics. And I understand it. This is what's with Batman. If Batman crossed over with Terminator and Terminator, yeah. that would be the best Batman. <laughs> this whole episode is scrolled on a wall in an, like an abandoned warehouse. What you, do, what you can't see is, you know, like in those movies where it's like the guy tracking a serial killer and he has like the... Yeah, the photos, the, the photos and the with strings like, with connecting the strings. everything. There's a million strings that just loop in between Batman, yeah. Terminator, and... And Demolition Man, which we yes. we, we couldn't even talk about, you know, it's just too much. And let's not forget about Alien Three. What about Alien Four? Resurrection. All, all roads lead to all, Alien Three. All roads lead to Alien Three. Stay tuned for that episode because it actually is happening. Well, guys, I think that's it. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have anything more to say. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, don't forget though, uh, we're on Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. facebook.com forward slash the trash heap, mm-hmm. and uh, also Twitter now. Yeah, well. uh, twitter.com slash trash heap pod at trash heap pod. Something like that for short. Uh, come find us and tell us we're insane and we're wrong. Also, check out we're going to be doing some polls to. Uh, figure out what topics we're going to cover in future episodes so please come and participate so we don't go mad yeah well thanks a lot guys until next time the dumpster is closed thanks francis always count on you if you've been living under a rock for most of your life you've never seen the terminator it's about uh a supercomputer becomes self-aware and decides that mankind is uh, ready for extinction. This sounds like a sequel to the George Clooney film, Up in the Air. <laughs> what? Just taking this to the next level.